Lord, we listened to a beautiful song that, in a sense, reflected who we are and what we should be. That the world may be fed through us, through who we are and what we do. Sometimes it's that moment to think that we are a part of your kingdom and that you trust us enough to want to use us that your kingdom may come in the lives of other people. What a responsibility that as we connect with others that we always need to be reminded that we are the voice of Christ and the hands of Jesus as we interact with others because we are your body, your church. But we come to you today to worship you. That's the first thing that we want to do every single Sunday. To acknowledge that you are the God of the universe. You are the one who created it all. You are the one that placed order in the chaos. That designed it that we may understand this through our math and our science, biology and all the other things. That helps us to discover the fingerprints of God all around us. Before you we bow. We live in a world that tries to tell us that you, are, that you do not exist, that you are not important. We live in a world that's trying its best to put you in a corner and to shut you and the church up. But Lord, here we are, your children. We are part of the family of God, and we have the staff to tell the world that you are alive that you are the only one that can bring meaning and life to a life. So, Lord, as we listen to your words today, I ask that you will touch us and bless us through this to do your will. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So it came, your box. That's why the box is on the communion table. The item that you wanted arrived. It's actually now at your, box, at your, at your doorstep, uh, your porch, and now you bring it inside. And now the fun starts. <laughs> you need to put this thing together. You need to read all the instructions, and you sometimes uh, discover that when it says some assembly required, that assembly required actually means you almost need to have a degree in chemistry and now maybe engineering to be able to put this thing together. What a battle sometimes I've had. And you try your best not for the thing to look like this when you are done, isn't it? Well, that's John, I know. Yeah, yeah. So I am, you know, we're done with Jonah. So I've been reading in the book of Philippians. And a while ago, this piece of scripture I'm going to read now really got to me. And I read it and I reread it and I thought, I'm going to pray, preach about this today, and then next Sunday we have a healing service. The next section really fits into this thing. But let, let's go and read what Paul writes here. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to, do, to will and to work for His good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, in which you shine like stars in the world. 
it is by your holding fast to the word of life that I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a libation over the sacrifice and the offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. And in the same way, you all must, must, all, all must be glad and rejoice with me. Work for your salvation. This sentence that's here in Philippians has caused a lot of controversy, a lot of discussion. Lots of people talk about this. Because it seems if you just read the sentence that Paul says, you need to work out your salvation. And he himself says in um, Ephesians, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the results of works, so that no one may boast. So what's going on with Paul here? On the one hand, he says that you are saved by faith through grace. It's a gift from God. On the other hand, he comes down and he says you need to work out this faith thing with fear and with trembling. A lot of people um, are always trying to convince us, but you need to do something that you can be saved. And they sometimes use this verse and say, well, it shows you that you need to live a very good life. You need to do all kinds of things that you will be one day in heaven with God. But this can't be true. Because what separates us from all the other religions in the world is the fact that we say it's not us trying to get to God, it's God coming down to us. It's God stepping down to me and to you and God offering us something free, a gift. That I can't in any way earn this. I can't do anything to get God's love and grace to serve me. So what is Paul trying to tell us here? And I'm going to use the illustration of the box that's here on the table of a gift. So, I come to my front porch, and it happened with me actually a week or two ago, and there's a box, and I didn't expect it. It was my birthday, and someone in the congregation decided to send me a box. Not this one, another one. And I had no clue what was in the box. I had no idea where it came from and who it came from. Eventually, I found out who this person was. But there's this box on my front door uh, and on my porch lying there. It's a gift to me delivered. That's the gospel. That's the gospel story. The gospel story is that we all receive a gift on our front porch. Every single human on this planet has this gift. It's the gift of Christ Jesus that came. But somebody paid for this gift. Uh, we have these pens, these green pens. There's a number of them in the Nordics, and we've got still maybe a thousand in the office area to be handed out to everybody. And a while ago, there was someone in my office, and I said, you can have this pen, it's free. And I thought, but that's not true, because somebody paid for this pen. This person sits in the church, he ordered a lot of pens for us, and he said, you can have all these pens, so we have boxes full of pens. Thank you, John. <laughs> but somebody paid for this pen, even though I give it away for free, somebody paid for it. The gift that's now on my porch is paid for. It's paid for by God who sent His Son to die the ultimate death for us, that through His blood we can be called the children of God. But now I need to accept this gift. Many times when they come to the church and they bring us one of these boxes, they say, you need to sign. So I need to sign to get this box actually to be left alone here in my office, otherwise they take it with them. 
On the other hand, at my house, I arrive and there's a box lying on my porch. And if I look at this box and I leave it on the porch, it's actually my box. Not really my box because I did not claim it really. Anybody else can come and take the box. It's not lying on my porch. So the gospel story is that God gives us this gift. He pays for this gift. And now he says, but further, you need to grab this gift and you need to bring the gift in. And the way that I bring the gift of Christ into my life is by faith. Faith is the way that I actually accept this box, this gift from God, and say, I accept that you love me enough that you would give me your son as the ransom that I can one day be with you in heaven, that I can be restored in my relationship with you and actually call God my dad. It would have not helped if I left that box outside on my porch for the last two weeks. This person would see me and ask me, so do you enjoy what I got you? And I would say, what is it? He said, but wasn't it delivered? Yeah, but it's still on my front porch. Why didn't you take it in? Well, I'm not sure if I want it. I'm not even sure what I'm saying no to. That's the problem with the gospel. There are so many people that you say, the answer in life for what you are struggling with is Christ Jesus. And they would say, I don't want it. And they've got no idea what is inside the word Christ Jesus and what that can bring you and what that can give you. It's only through faith. When you start to read and understand what it means that this becomes then part of your life and of your world. Okay, so now I grab the box and I bring it into my house. It's still in the box, but it's now mine. It's now inside. I'm now the owner of whatever is in that box. It's now mine. That is what it means. The moment you believe in Jesus Christ, the Bible tells me, now I am a child of God. The moment when I say the story of Christ is true to me, the Bible proclaims immediately, I'm a child of God. If I die now, I will be in the presence of God Almighty. That's all that God asks of me, is to bring that box inside, to bring Christ, the story of Christ, into my life. I am now a child of God. But now I need to assemble it. I need to assemble it. And I can't assemble it if I don't read the instructions. And that's maybe the problem why that other one was so crooked. Because many times when these boxes arrive with all these things, we just say to ourselves, I think I know how this thing works. So I grab my hammer and my chisel, my screwdriver and all this stuff, and I start to put this thing together. And at some point it looks completely wrong. Because I didn't read the instructions. With electronic stuff, with respect, the millennials are the worst. They don't read any book. They just start pushing buttons. They say, I think I'll figure this out. They start pushing buttons and many times they get it to work. But we need to read the instructions to get the thing to function to its fullest potential. Maybe you can get this thing to work or to be okay, but it, many times it's not to its fullest potential if you don't really read all the instructions that tell you exactly what you need to do to get this thing to be optimal. So what are the instructions? Paul gives us the instructions. He says, you need to do it. So that's why Paul says, you need to work this thing out. He said, I'm not going to be there to help you guys anymore. I'm not part of this congregation anymore. I'm in prison. He's sitting in prison while he's writing this in a Roman prison under, the, under really difficult situ uh, circumstances. And he says, I can't be there. You guys need to figure this thing out. So read the instructions. I'm giving you now what you need to know. You need to have the same mind as Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It, it, it means that 
my mind and Christ Jesus' mind is not always the same. Because it can't be. You see, my mind is focused on me and on the things that are important to me in my life, but the mind of Christ Jesus is focused on saving this world and helping me and helping others. You see, my mind is fo focusing on serving me, but the mind of Christ is on serving the other around me. The mind of Christ means that I need to say to myself, but I'm on this world now to represent this Jesus. And you know, at some point people wore these little bracelets, what would Jesus do? Maybe that's what I should always ask myself in any situation. What would Jesus do now when I'm so upset with this person at the counter? That he's not resolving my problem and I know I'm right. My mind tells me to jump up and down, yell at all of them and get the manager. Is that what Jesus would do? Or would he kindly try to resolve the issue in such a way that the kingdom of God is served and no relationships are harmed? The second thing is he says, without murmuring and arguing, you need to do this. Man, we complain a lot, don't we, about life. What sets us apart from the world? The fact that you and I have a God, that we've got a God that's got control of our lives, that we trust with all that we have, and I know I, He owns me. This world is terrible that we live in, in many different ways. And I can allow this world to bring me down and to break me in pieces. Or I can say, I'm a child of God. In the midst of all this chaos, I know that God is on His way with me. Paul says, be careful not to murmur and complain so much. He says, that's part of the instructions. He says, because then you can't really help others because they will then try to help you. Because you are the one that's then maybe the one in need. Do, not, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others better than yourselves, Paul says in the same chapter. Paul says, so, okay, so if you start to read instructions, instructions says it has to do with others. That's way more important than you are. So, so what is Paul saying? Paul is saying the fact that I believe in Christ Jesus means that I have received a gift. But I need to assemble this gift in, every, in all the relationships that I'm involved with in my life. I, I, I can't keep my faith as something that I'm only going to use here on a Sunday. So on a Sunday when I wake up, I go to church and I come and I sing and I praise the Lord. And I do all the things that are necessary. But from Monday all the way through Saturday, I'm doing my own thing. Paul says, can't work like this. You need to take the instructions that God has given you and now apply it to all the relationships that you are in. In your, in your marriage. No marriage is owned by the people that are wet to one another. The Bible tells me that God gave marriage. That God's the one that wants to sustain marriage. Because God wants people to be okay. But now we apply all the other instructions that the world gives me to my marriage. And my marriage starts to fail and I have no idea why. Because I'm reading instructions for something different that's not applicable to what I have here. And God says, the only instruction that will work here is what I tell you because I created it. God says, apply your faith, my instructions, then also to your family. Because God wants us to be okay with our people. You know, the most hard ache I see in the lives of people is when they do not really have connections with their family anymore. And God says, I want you guys to be okay. Same with our friends, same with our um, 
health. The Bible talks about our health even, our finances, our relationship with this world. I'm just going a little bit faster now because I see it's all there. Hey, that, is that clock fast back there? I hate that clock. Hey, yay, yay, yay. You get it. <laughs> we need to apply everything that we've got to everything that we have. Let's go on to the next one. I'm almost done. With fear and trembling. Assemble the gift that you got from God that is Christ Jesus. Using His instructions with fear and trembling. What Paul is trying to tell us, he's saying, you know, this is such important work that you can't take it lightly. He, he says it's so important because your interaction and the effect you have on others actually can make or break others. And God wants you to help them make it and not break it. The fear and trembling means that respect for God and respect for what He wants and not what I always want. That the kingdom can be built and not broken. And I'm now done. My second part. What are we assembling? So that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And that's the sentence that really caught, caught my eye. To shine like stars in the world. To shine like a star. Paul says we are in a dark and crooked world. People, I think all of you will agree. If you talk to people around you, if you watch the news, if you read any media, uh, many people will complain about the world that we live in and say, what's going on in this world of ours? It's terrible. What's going on? All, everything that's right is now suddenly wrong, and everything that was always right in the past is now suddenly wrong. It's, everything is confusing. Wrong is right, and right is wrong, and I don't understand this world anymore, and people are falling apart. They're doing the craziest things, and, and, and if you see how people drive, there's no rules anymore for anyone, it seems to me. They do just, do just whatever they want. This is the world that we live in. And I can say, oh, what a terrible world that I live in. And now Paul comes and he says, in that dark world, you need to shine like a star. You are the one that is called by God to bring the order of God in this chaos. And how can I bring the order of God in this chaos? By bringing order in my own life. By getting my relationship at home under order, uh, in order. To bring my relationship with my friends in order. To bring my relationship with people in work in order. To bring my health in order. My finances in order. In the moment when I start to do what God asks of me to do, to bring the order of God in my life, I will start to shine like a star in this world. We are never blameless or innocent in the sense that we are perfect. But Paul says it's so important that we live carefully so the world won't say, you are just the same as we are. I'm not going to care for you because everything that you do is just what the world would do. We can't do what the world does. We are the children of God. And what does a star do? I'm from South Africa, and we have to, we, you can see the Milky Way quite way more clearly there than here in the Southern Hemisphere. You can see the Southern Cross. Most amazing thing is if you're in the bushveld, and I've been, and you get lost, you, you look up at the Southern Cross, and you will always find north and south. Always. Southern Cross shows you where it's southeast, and then you can determine where north is. And these guys used stars to navigate. They were not that stupid. So when Paul comes and he says, hey, you're a star, he says, you are the ones that other people will look at to find direction for their lives. And stars means that there is light in darkness and light normally brings people 
closer to the light because that's where you want to be if you are afraid. And when your life is falling apart, you are looking for some hope. That's who we are. And when I read this, I, I thought to myself, when I'm standing in the pulpit, I'm looking at stars. Isn't it amazing? You are the stars that Paul's are to, Paul are talking about. You and I are shining in this very dark world because of our commitment and our love for God. That bed is not going to be very comfortable. All the boxes came. The guy just stuck, stuck them close together. Uh, uh, and, and that's not a bed. That's just boxes. I sit with so many people. And I listen to their life story. It's a story of heartache and pain and suffering. Many times when I sit with people and listen to their stories, I say to myself, if they would only have applied what they hear here, what they, oh, where's this book? What they discover in this book. If they would only unpack this, their bed would be soft would be proper, would not hurt them. It would be honestly what they expected it to be. My final slide. When Paul comes and he says, come on guys, work out your salvation. He's saying as you leave this church today, for a moment when you sit in your car or eating your lunch or dinner or whatever tonight, think for a moment, how can I apply the fact that I belong to the only holy, living God to who I am and what I do on a daily basis. And when I can do that, I'm working out my salvation, being a star and then a blessing to the people around me. Amen.